You're probably wondering what's going on here. And that's okay, because I wasn't originally going to do a rumination on this one. This is obviously a post-game rumination, but what can you say about a game like this? Well, I do have a few things to say, and this is probably going to be a short one, but here we go. First of all, there's an oft-repeated rumor, and one of the things I've noticed in my career is that there's often repeated facts that are wrong, or misleading, or just straight-up fabrications. And so I decided to try and do my research and figure out what's going on with the whole, you know, we decided to make a baby game for babies because U.S. people are stupid. I was not able to verify that. In fact, the only thing I was able to verify when I pushed everything back down was I found an interview by Ted Wolseley, who's the one who localized this game, who's a bit of a famous person in his own right when it comes to this community. And he had an interview in a Agapogo uh, magazine. And he mentioned how the developers were wanting to try and have a game to basically reach out to a broader audience, get more people interested in their RPGs, JRPGs in specific, and RPGs in general. Because it was believed that RPGs and JRPGs just really weren't selling outside of Japan, even though this wasn't actually true, it was just they weren't selling as much. So, okay, that makes sense. If you're paying attention, this is exactly what would end up happening with Final Fantasy VII. FF7, as I've talked about many, many times, is the one that really blew open and uh, made this kind of thing popular. And that's probably because of the confluence of all the things. I've talked about that before. I don't want to cover that now. Mystic Quest was not that. But if you're ever wondering why this game was marketed and released in Europe, the first actual Final Fantasy game to come out in Europe, as well as was pushed here in the States, this is why. It's because they were trying to push this element. That's all I got. This game was interesting to go through. I know anybody who watched the stream already heard this, but again, this is more for the people who didn't watch the stream, so allow me to elucidate. I remember this game fondly. I like this game. I still like this game. It is still a net positive game. But, you know, if you asked me, I wasn't sure why. This was one of the biggest games I wanted to review, way back when we really started the review process about three years ago. And this was one of the top things, and I was like, God, I really want to review Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. Now, I put it off partially because I wanted to kind of refine the review process that we use, and partially because I have to let, you know, you guys have to fund runs. I can't just decide to run something. But we finally got here, and I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I have a little bit of confidence in my review process at this point that I could safely review the game. And what I came through absolutely confirmed why it is I remember this game so fondly. It's because of the intro and the outro. The beginning of the game is silly, but relatively well-designed and generally fun. A lot of decent stuff is done very quickly and efficiently, and you find yourself going through a fairly well-designed dungeon and fighting a, f a reasonably well-designed boss in short order. There are two battlefields you encounter, both of which are quite lucrative early on. You switch guest party members and are introduced to that aspect twice. That is to say, you get Kaylee and then you get Tristram. And generally, the game introduces a lot of neat quality of life features. What I actually wrote down so I wouldn't forget any of them. First of all, the fact that you can save anywhere. Just immediately. This quality of saving is something that I've appreciated more and more uh, the older I get. But this is something that's always been a big deal for me. To use a direct example. Compare and contrast Final Fantasy VI on the SNES, which takes a second to save. Boop, 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 and done. Either at a save point or at an overworld. Now look at something like Dragon Quest VIII on either the PlayStation 2 or the 3DS. Either one is fine. Where it takes a minimum of seven button presses after going to the church while listening to them yammer on for ten seconds in order to save any given time you wanted to save. That kind of irritation is something that 
I don't know, is something that I don't like and I feel shouldn't really be a process. The, the idea of saving is the kind of thing that probably should be the sort of thing that doesn't take super long other than the actual act of saving itself, which I do know is a hardware issue. I don't want to sound too dismissive. But you see why I value a game that allows me to just go and then I'm saved and done. Less than a second in Mystic Quest's case because you can just hit X, let's say the top button, and that immediately puts you at the save screen. Or if you hit start, you can go to the menu screen. That's another quality of life feature, those little shortcuts. There's also, um, let's see, there's the fact that we have enemy health bars in the form of how damaged they look, which seems like a minor thing, but another thing I've grown to like more and more is when I can see the health of my enemies. It, it's, I don't know, it's not a big deal, it's not like it's a game changer if I can't see the enemy health, but being able to see how far down a boss is, for example, is extremely useful to me. Because if I go full tilt into a boss and I look up and, you know, the boss is at 90% health, then then I'm under-leveled, or I'm using the wrong strategy, so I need to retry. If I don't see that health bar, though, and I die, well, I will assume, well, okay, I just need to try again, because I don't know how badly I'm doing. If, by contrast, I've put all myself into it and he's at 10% health, then I just need to do slightly better, right? Being able to see the health is tremendously important to me. Now, we don't literally see the health here, but there is the, you know, the, the damaged animations they go through, which is effectively the same as a health bar. We also have percentage healing. The potions heal you based on how high level you are, and the spells heal you as a percentage of how much you, you are hurt. And there's also the life spell, which is always a full heal. There's, uh, let's see, the DQ che cheating AI, as I like to call it, because both the anime AI and your guest AI will be able to select their actions during, uh, when, they're at, when their turn comes up, rather than before combat, like you would have to do if you were on manual. There's the overworld encounters, the fact that you can actually see the encounters on the overworld map, and in some cases, avoid them if you want to, or seek them out if you want a little bit more exp and gold. There's the fact that you have the overworld interactions. The sword, the axe, the claw, and... Uh, oh, the bombs. All of which have something to do, either with regards to hitting switches, or zipping around the area, or otherwise just making the dungeon design a little bit more interesting and a little bit more fun to do. There's also jumping, which is also part of that. The guest party members itself, which is cool. The mana system, which is designed around each type of mana has a mana pool, and each spell costs one mana, so you can process that very quickly and efficiently. And finally, and the one most people are probably aware of, the fact that you have to have an option to just restart a battle if you die, which actually has a couple of caveats, because it restarts you at the state you were at when you started, so if you're really injured at the beginning of a fight and you restart the fight, you're still really injured, and that can lead to some bad stuff. But... On the plus side, you do also have uh, a slight re-roll on some of the RNG, so that's cool. Some surprisingly good ideas and a definite improvement of several of these features, several of which JRPGs in general and the FF series in particular wouldn't actually get around to adding for years after this game. So all of that is stuff right at the intro. Then there's the outro. Now, Pazuzu's Tower is actually a well-designed dungeon in its own right. It's not great, but it is a decent dungeon. And so is Spencer's Place, which you go to immediately after it. But the final dungeon is actually legitimately a good dungeon. It has multiple layers. It has actual mechanics and gimmicks and puzzle features. It doesn't overwhelm you with enemy encounters. It instead focuses on trying to challenge you. There's multiple routes you can take. There's looping design where you finish and then you, you turn, turn out and end the end. You know, circular looping dungeon design where you start, finish, and then end up where you started. There we go, I can talk straight. Sorry, it's really late. <laughs> it took all day to stream this game, so I'm kind of tired. Forgiveness. Mea culpa. Um, 
the 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 boss fights, the the refights aren't just normal refights; they're actually redesigned fights. There's a lot of good stuff there, and of course, the music is awesome. Everyone knows the music is awesome. So all of this is why I enjoy this game. So why am I prefacing with all this? Well, then there's the crap that sucks. Now, I could talk about the ease of the game, but frankly, I don't think the game being easy is actually a negative. I think the game being boring is a negative. Here's the problem. Uh, easy can still be fun. right? I'm sure several of you can think of games that are easy that are still enjoyable. In fact, I could name quite a few off the top of my head. The problem is... The encounters involve extremely little tactics. It boils down to two factors. Who do you want your guest party... Well, actually, three. Do you want your guest party on auto or manual? Because that varies. Who do you want them to target? Because they'll probably go before you, and they'll probably hit harder than you. And which weapon you have equipped, or basically trying to match the vulnerability of the enemy. That's it. That's the tactics of the combat. It's not much. And this leads me to my biggest complaint about the game. It's not the ease, and it's not a grindy game, but there's a huge number of encounters in this game, and despite the fact that you can, you know, it's physically possible to skip uh, some encounters, the, a lot of the dungeons in the middle of the game, pretty much everything from the water pyramid and all of the fire area and the frickin' tree, I hate that. That tree is the worst dungeon in the whole game. The overwhelming majority of those enemies you actually cannot skip. They're right in the way, so you have to fight them. And there's so many of them. And in some cases, it's ridiculous. You will literally go four steps and get into another counter. And each encounter only lasts like ten seconds. But that's exactly my point. It's boring. And that's the major flaw. I, I gave multiple negatives to this because it just became such an arduous chore to, to, to slog through. And it's such a shame because if you're paying attention, the intro's good and the outro's good, and then there's this in the middle. There's a couple of decent elements here, but this middle part overwhelmingly felt like I was just being worn down. The way I described it on stream is imagine you get a really nice piece of sushi or a food you like, and then there's this giant loaf of bland, dry bread. You just, you have to finish eating. You have to, you don't get any water. No. No, you don't get any soup or chili to dip it. You just have to eat that bread dry and have fun. And when you're done going through this loaf of bleh, then you get another piece of excellent food of whatever food you happen to like, in my case, sushi. And that's that's Mystic Quest, and that's why I remember it so fondly. Why I still enjoy it. Because what I usually tend to do is fast forward during the middle sections, you know, literally hold down tilde. Or, if I'm doing the speedrun, completely skip the entire fire section by over, uh, overflowing the inventory. So, that's fun. So, those are most of my thoughts. I wanted to share one last thing, if that's okay with you. I was asked what I would do in a remake of this game. Now, let me, let me readdress that, because I've always said a proper remake is above and beyond. But let's talk about quick and easy changes. Some of you remember uh, the change game. I've talked about this before. It's try to make something that's bad good with the minimum number of changes. The ideal being only doing one change. I think two changes could turn this from a blah game into a substantially more enjoyable game. Those two changes are, one, triple the amount of experience gained from enemy encounters. I know that sounds like a weird thing to do, but it makes it, it's pretty much mandatory because of point two, remove the overwhelming majority of mandatory encounters. Either literally delete them or move them to a place where you can avoid them. Thus, as you're going through the game, you have about a third of the total encounters you had, and you are still gaining the same overall experience that you were gaining if you were playing normally. I think those two changes would improve this game drastically. 
because that way the boring middle slog section would be substantially shorter and would also wear on you a lot less because you're having instead of this giant loaf of bread you have to it's the same boring dry bread but you know it's it's this big instead and that's a little bit more palatable right the proper remake also i posit to you the question what would you do with a proper remake and what would you do to you know the change game how would you change that i don't think i could change the game and still make it better with only one change. I, I couldn't come up with that. Because you need both changes, because there's a lot of really bad RNG in this game. Oh my god, the RNG is through the roof. How many times, have any of you played this game, how many times have you fought uh, the, the Medusa women? And they've just killed you in one round, before you can even move. Yeah, anyways. Proper remake. Some ideas. I actually wrote them down. First of all, and this is the most obvious, let's actually add a story. I enjoy the tone of this story. It's it's not comedic, but it's lighthearted. I've talked about this before. Sometimes it's not telling jokes. It's not a comedy, but it has a lighthearted tone, like a Paper Mario, where it's just kind of there's an air of levity throughout the whole thing, which I do enjoy. But how about adding a real story? Let's actually add some depth to this. We could do some things with the Dark King. We could make it so that he is actually trapped in there. He specifically started this prophecy so that there would be at least one person who would try to fulfill it. And in so doing, he, that would break the seal and he breaks out. I mean, that's really cliched and basic, but it's something. We can make it so the Dark King himself is actually cursed, and the actual enemies are the eyes we see at the very end, and those are the things that are actually keeping him held, and when you fight the final boss, you have the option to kill him or them. If you kill him, you get the bad ending, you kill them, you get the good ending, because you release him from his curse and he's allowed to pass on. These are just random ideas that I came up with right off the top of my head. <laughs> you know? Add some story. Next thing I would do is I would add a side quest, one for each guest member, maybe two for Phoebe. Just have something to flesh them out as characters, something that has to do with them and theirs and their personality or their perspective. Just you know, the Mass Effect 2 thing, right? Go have a loyalty quest for each of them. Completely optional, but you can do it. Next thing, obviously, less encounters. Duh. Next thing, reduce the amount of RNG in the game, because it really is absolutely stupid. And while we're at it, can we just completely eject the artificial difficulty of status effects? Because that's one of the biggest banes of this game, like I mentioned earlier with the double para, uh, petrify problem. So get rid of that. Remember, this is supposed to be an entry-level game. This is supposed to get people... This is their first taste of this kind of thing. This is not supposed to be some big, complex thing. So we do still need to keep this thing relatively simple, which I am fine with, it's worth noting. So... Why don't we go ahead and add uh, more focus on Zelda-style dungeons? Now, there's one dungeon in this game. I'm curious if you even remember it. It's the Falls. I actually wrote down its name. Hang on, let me, let me pull up the, the review here, because I have it right here. Um, Falls Basin. Falls Basin. Falls Basin is a legitimately interesting dungeon. It's one screen, but it's got these movable pillars... Right? The final boss is a crab. There's these movable pillars. You move up, you move the pillar around, you enable, that enables you to jump to new areas. You then fight an enemy, which gives you another pillar, which you can use to jump to new areas. You can reposition both pillars. There's like three or four different solutions for this area, depending on which route you want to take and how you want to position the pillars. And there's not many enemies, and most of the focus is on the puzzle design. It's actually a good dungeon. It's just really short. Do more of that. Zelda it up when it comes to the dungeon design, and make that the focus. I mentioned the Deku Tree, which can go to hell. It got a negative by itself. But another example of bad dungeon design in this game is the Volcano. Do you know what the volcano dungeon design is? Enemies, 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 enemies. That's the volcano. That's its gimmick. Yeah, sure, there's lava, but you can't fall into it and it doesn't affect anything. It's purely cosmetic. The only gimmick of the volcano is just wave after wave of enemies. 
lots of them, and almost all of them are unskippable. Not all of them, but a lot of them. So focus on that aspect. Let's also add actual boss design here. We were talking about the FF series and how the FF series kind of dips in and out of boss design when it comes to its games. I love FF6, but it doesn't really have particularly stellar boss design. FF5, that has really good boss design. Focus on that kind of thing. Each boss having its own gimmicks, its own weaknesses, its own structure, right? Pull something from FF14 if you have to. You get the idea. Pull actual gimmicks into the fights and make the bosses something other than a stat stick. The next thing I would probably do is... Uh, we could have remixed music, of course. But leave a toggle for us to play the original soundtrack, because the music in this game is just awesome. Also, I would probably have another toggle, which allows you to override the combat music with just whatever the dungeon music is at any given point in time. Because, frankly, that should be a toggle on a game like this, where the dungeon music tends to rock. Especially in Pazuzu's Tower and the Final Dungeon. Final idea. Weapon talents. Probably something kind of like Oblivion. I prefer mutators than to straight stats. You know, doing 5% more damage with axes isn't interesting. Having a thing where if you hit someone with an axe, they are shuffled to the left and hit the enemy immediately to their left, doing a little bit of additional damage or possibly stunning them for a round, that's interesting. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Uh, maybe make a thing where you can add uh, a variable to your bomb so that when you throw a bomb at the enemy, it will have a recurrent effect on your guest party member. And the guest party member, it'll basically get rid of almost any of their status effects. It won't get rid of death, obviously. It won't get rid of petrifying, but it'll break them out of paralysis. It'll shock the poison out of them. It'll wake them up if they're sleeping. And it'll cure them if they're blind, right? Things like that, I think, for each of the weapon types, the sword, the claw, the axe, and the bomb, I think that would add a little bit of character customization and a way to vary up the playstyle so that you're doing something other than just mashing A for every encounter. These are my ideas for a proper remake. What do you guys think? I know this is a short one, but I did actually enjoy this game. Go ahead, tar and feather for me. Tar and feather me if you want to. I understand completely. But I do hope you've enjoyed. I'll see you next time. Cool.